All right, thanks, Scott Shannon. Glad you're with us. Write down our toll-free telephone number. It's uh, 800-941-SEAN. You want to be a part of the program, we will be joined by the architect, Carl Rove. He knows a thing or two about politics in the country. We'll uh, have Bill O'Reilly's final prediction take on the election. Uh, We're going to make a a couple of looks at North Carolina, the president's red wall. A little bit worried about North Carolina, a little bit worried about Arizona. We'll go over all of that. Um, the media couldn't be any more corrupt than they are as they, they, they just run cover constantly for all things, democratic socialist. And of course, Joe Biden and Kamala Harris. And, you know, I don't know if people fully understand the extent of how dangerous their stated policies would be to the country. We'll go into, we'll go into some of that. Um, Let me go through what this is now coming down to in terms of where we are. Six days, nearly 70 million people voted. Uh, Voter turnout, very high. Enthusiasm, very high. You can see unprecedented crowds at all of the president's events. You know, people, what was it, like 30,000 people last night in Omaha. I mean, and it was, you know, all these other events in the 30s, people even in rain waiting for hours to go to a Trump event. It's it's unlike anything I've seen in my lifetime. And then I don't see any enthusiasm at all for Joe Biden, including Joe Biden doesn't seem enthusiastic about Joe Biden. Um, I've often said, and I stand by this, and now we're living it, that it is always very difficult for a Republican to get elected president. If you are a Republican and you want to be president, you, you have a red wall. We talk about the blue wall and Joe Biden's been talking about reestablishing it. That being Minnesota, uh, Michigan, Wisconsin, Pennsylvania. OK, there's a red wall. If you if you're Donald Trump or any Republican and you want to win the White House, you've got to win Florida. You've got to win Georgia. You've got to win Ohio. You've got to win North Carolina. You've got to win Iowa. You've got to win Arizona. Now, Arizona, if you don't win, there's different ways you can get around it, but it's not easy. You got to try for, play for Nevada, especially with the shutdown. Nobody out there is working. I assume all the union workers out there are pretty pissed off that they're not working thanks to the idiotic Democratic uh, policies. And... You, you've got to also accept that the country is not paying as close attention as we are. I have an urgency. I've never seen such radical extreme extremism expressed by any major party ticket in my life as this one. I mean, 15 million Americans, wide open borders, amnesty, free health care for illegal immigrants, the United Sanctuary States of America. The power grab of court packing and ending the legislative filibuster and D.C., Puerto Rico statehood and, you know, amnesty. That's something of great value. I assume the Democrats are thinking that if they give that away, that they might create a voting constituency in the millions for future elections. Or, of course, you know, the the four senators that they would assume they would get from D.C. and Puerto Rico that give them what the odds are. Chances are. Uh, a Democratic majority in the Senate in perpetuity. But if you're a Republican, you got to win Florida, got to win Ohio, got to win Georgia, you got to win North Carolina. 
And demographics in a lot of these states have changed. You have a lot of people who have moved into Texas, for example, from California with liberal views. Same thing has happened in Georgia. Same thing has happened in North Carolina. People moving from New York and New Jersey down into the Carolinas. And, and they're bringing their liberal policies with them. They left because of the high taxation and burdensome regulation. And then they want to vote for other candidates that will institute it in the new state that they go to. Now they're going to wreck the next state that they go to. Uh, Iowa, Arizona, Nevada. Now, then for a Republican, you got to now start looking. If you can get Pennsylvania, we know that Joe and Kamala Harris, they, they've been very clear. Last debate highlighted where they stand on the issue of fossil fuels. They want to eliminate them. Joe Biden has on his website the Bolshevik Bernie Biden Manifesto Economic Plan of Socialism. They have on their their website their plan, their new Green Deal, and AOC is the new Green Deal czar. Bolshevik Bernie, the economic advisor for Biden. Uh, then you got Beto Bozo, the gun czar for Biden. Then you got you know Kamala Harris to the left of even Bolshevik Bernie. This is what we're running against, what they say that they are going to do. Okay, pack the courts and legislative filibuster, add four Senate seats that'll be Democrat, amnesty, open borders, higher taxes, pack, you know, all of this. Well, that would be one party rule forever in perpetuity. If you implement something as radical and as extreme as, as getting off of fossil fuels and you know, eliminating millions of energy sector jobs, which would be the net result of what their policies, uh, uh, how, what the result of their policies, none of that is going to be good. But that's what they're planning. And they're promising people, and as I've talked about this at length, I've talked about how, uh, it, how if they implement all of this free, free, free stuff, it's appealing to some people to hear that, they're going to get free pre-K through college education, government p- bought and paid for, that they're going to get guaranteed jobs with guaranteed government wages, with guaranteed government vacations, with guaranteed government healthy food. It's it's what their plan states. Well, we, how are they going to pay for that? Well, we're going to eliminate the Trump tax cuts. Well, the Trump tax cuts help middle class families, working families all across the country. I'm only raising taxes on people that make $400,000 or more. No, but I'm getting rid of the Trump tax cuts. Okay, that means you're raising taxes on everybody. Then you're going to have the higher cost of energy. Then we're going to be more reliant on energy. Then you're going to, he's going to be making Putin and Russia and the Middle East rich again. Venezuela probably as well, because they will then become the world's largest suppliers of energy. And you're going to wipe out an entire industry of high paying career jobs for American citizens. And if you don't control your borders, well, we know what the net result of that is going to be is you're going to have lower wages, more people competing for fewer jobs. That that was the Biden Obama economy. I can't believe, you know, Obama went out there actually claiming credit for an economy that Donald Trump inherited from me. Well, when you left, you left with 13 million more Americans on food stamps, 8 million more in, in poverty and the lowest labor participation rate since the 70s and the worst recovery since the 40s. What the hell is he talking about? And then, you know, the only president in history never to hit 3% GDP growth. 
We expect Thursday these GDP third quarter numbers are going to come out, and they're supposed to be massive. Predictions today, I think it was Goldman Sachs predicting a GDP growth maybe as high as 35%. That would be unprecedented. And Joe Biden's talking about shutting the country down again. Well, most people don't want their state shut down. They don't want their businesses shut down. I always use the analogy that if the medical manufacturers, if they shut down in the middle of the worst pandemic since 1917 and 18, well, guess what? We wouldn't have had shields and masks and gloves and ventilators and every other bit of PPE that we needed at the time uh, for healthcare workers to take care of COVID in the early stages when we knew a lot less. I mean, just totally ignoring that we're in final phase trial, human trial testing of the vaccines. We have multiple versions of it. They wouldn't they would have stopped the trials had there been people dying or had really bad side effects or antibodies not being created. That means we're well on our way now to having the vaccine. And we know everything about, uh, you know, the therapeutics like Regeneron and Remdesivir and, and all of these things. You know, so we have a better ability to, to handle and deal with it. We also see, thank God, that even though younger people in schools, for example, they get these hot spots or these breakouts and they get it. it I mean, they're barely experiencing symptoms. You know, I had six. Uh, my daughter had six of her friends get this thing and not one of them even barely felt it. Um, and that that's the story with all young people. Thank God. And, you know, we have to protect the most vulnerable. That's the elderly. That's what they didn't do in New York, Pennsylvania, New Jersey and Michigan. You know, just the opposite. So if if you want to be president, now you got your red wall. You've got to hold those states. And now you got to go into Pennsylvania. Pennsylvania's never been an easy state for a Republican to win for the presidency. Now, Donald Trump did it. By 44,000 votes in 2016. Can he do it again? Absolutely. We just had two polls out that show that Donald Trump is leading in Pennsylvania, not by a lot. We had Matt Towery's uh, insider advantage have has Trump up by two. Uh, We had Robert Cahaley from the Trafalgar group. He had Donald Trump up in Michigan and in Pennsylvania, down one to Biden in Wisconsin. The New York Times, this is really interesting to me, seems to be having second thoughts about Pennsylvania polling. Uh, The headline from the Times in an opinion piece, can we trust Pennsylvania's polls? But it's subheadline. That's what tells the real story. And that is polls show Joe Biden clinching crucial counties. So if why does it feel so different on the ground here? They're asking that question. Polls show Joe Biden clinching crucial counties. So why does it feel so different on the ground here? That's the New York Times. The writer, some guy named Sean McCreesh, certainly no Trump fan, clear regards, clearly regarding Trump supporters with contempt, typical New York Times elitist. But it's obvious that this in this piece, he's worried. Polls show Mr. Biden leading by five to 13 points. But I grew up around here and I'm dubious. Bucks County, north of Philly. The land of hoagies and Bradley Cooper and Rocky Balboa worship has literally become Trumplandia. And he said he has so much more support than in 2016 because it's been four years of accomplishments, said Dariana Thompson, 49, homemaker, who was uh, talking with a group of women outside of a Trump store. 
Anyway, they're part of a caravan that had just encircled the Democrats rally to say bye bye to Biden and let his supporters know that they were outnumbered. We just drove all around. People were coming out of their houses, cheering us on, parading through neighborhoods. This, these types of spontaneous uh, events are happening all over the country. But I'll tell you, you the, the one thing that I'm not sure is getting through, putting aside the corruption, the deep state institutional force, the media mob, the 99 percent, the big tech companies that literally are suppressing people's availability of information at the worst level it's ever been. Then the Democratic Party establishment, the Rhino Republican Party establishment, every major institutional force aligned against this president. But it's the people that show up in record numbers with enthusiasm that I've never seen for any presidential candidate. So how does it all end? It's going to be up to you. I can't tell you how it's going to all end. You know, I can. The worst part is, is every time I allow my mind to go down that road and I start thinking, all right, well, here's how he wins. Here's how he loses. Here's how he wins here. I'm driving myself nuts. I'm sure many of you have been doing the same thing. Linda's looking at me like she sees me doing this every 30 seconds. So she knows I'm doing it. Um, you have a plurality of voters even recognizing Hunter Biden engaged in corrupt business practices. Yeah. You think the media is is covering Tucker's interview with uh, Bob Alinsky? No, they're ignoring it. Just like they ignored you're not getting a billion dollars unless you fire the prosecutor investigating zero experience Hunter. Just like they ignored the wire transfer, $3.5 million from the Russian oligarch, First Lady of Moscow. Or the wire transfer with the Kazakh oligarch. Or the $1.5 billion from the Bank of China. Or the shopping spree with the Chinese National. All of this has happened. It's all been out there. The mob, the media, big tech, they just suppress the information. Literally, to talk about enemies of the people, they've, they've got an agenda. And it's not us, we, the people, either. They want this radicalism, and they want Trump out at all costs. All these deep state Twitter peeps uh, that have been defending the indefensible of the deep state. Oh, we've got a big anonymous reveal coming out. In other words, oh, what a shocker. We're going to have... Um, we're going to have a, a an October surprise with just six days to go. Gee, I'm so I'm so shocked. You know, you watch what came out with Bob Alinsky last night. Remember, we have oligarchs in Russia, Ukraine, Kazakhstan, Chinese nationals, Bank of China, all of this. He's saying that Joe Biden's lying. The family's lying that they never talked to about foreign business deals that Joe Biden did. That they want that they talked about having plausible deniability to conceal these foreign business deal. Bobolinsky breaks down how the Bidens plan to ensure Joe Biden would personally and secretly benefit from the equity stake in a Chinese business deal. You know, Bob saying Hunter Biden and his associates. Yeah, they referred to him as the chairman, the big guy. You know, saying the Chinese sought to lend millions of dollars to the entire Biden family. That would mean he sold us out. And we all know, we've all known for a long time what Hunter's been up to with Ukraine with no experience. We've known from the Johnson Grassley report about Russia, Kazakhstan, and China. Known from Peter Schweitzer about the Bank of China. Known all about it. Media. Huh. 
ignore it. Protect the Bidens at all costs. Liberal media that ignores Tony Bobolinsky, ignores the Grassley and Ron Johnson report that that literally impeached the president on Ukraine over a quid and a pro and a quo. They have one fact witness who said just the opposite. There was no quid pro quo. Everyone else's opinion or a hearsay witness. And they go absolutely crazy. But they ignore Joe Biden saying you got six hours and you're not getting a billion taxpayer dollars. Says everything. Unless you fire a prosecutor ex- that's um, investigating my zero experience son being paid millions. At the same time, they care about Russian interference. Not one Democrat ever condemned Hillary Clinton's dirty, bought, and paid for Russian disinformation dossier. They cared about obstruction of justice, but they didn't care about deleted, subpoenaed emails and bleach pit and hammers. They didn't care about spying on a presidential candidate, not one Democrat. They didn't care about spying on a transition team and then a presidency. They didn't care that they got it all wrong for three and a half years. Last minute, out comes the anonymous Miles Taylor again. Remember, they wrote the op-ed in the New York Times. This is huge news. I hate Donald Trump. He's dangerous. Unbelievable. Um... We, we have another, believe it or not, it's been a tough year as it relates to uh, hurricanes for, especially for Louisiana and the Texas area. Uh, Hurricane Zeta, I guess, is uh, headed right for the coast of Louisiana. Uh, Joe Bistardi, weatherbell.com, chief meteorologist, Sean Hannity, showed with a quick update. How's it looking, Joe Bistardi? Hey, first of all, let me just say something. I know Tony Bobolinsky personally from wrestling, here at Penn wow. State, guts, heart, persistence. Uh, willpower, courage, all hold that man together. Uh, I don't think I've ever seen a harder-working man in our room uh, than Tony Bobolinsky. Went from a walk-on to captain of a team that was in the top five, top ten back then in the mid-'90s. And uh, I know Tony and uh, folks. You, were you, you, so were you on the team with him? No, I was a volunteer coach for our senior members, the postgraduate guys who trained for USA Wrestling. But... Uh, you know, I knew Tony very well, all right? So, wow. uh, and uh, I'll tell you how hard this guy worked. In those days, we were trying to catch Iowa folks, and we used to have these two-and-a-half, three-hour practices, and Bobolinsky would stay late after practice so the coaches would have to throw him out of the room. I remember one night Coach Lorenzo saying, Tony, go home, will you? Because that's how hard this guy works. And uh, every I thought it came off as very credible. The media is it's like a media blackout. Uh, All right. So what's going on with Zeta and the poor? Our our friends in Louisiana have been getting hammered for this year. Yeah, well, this one is going in east of where Delta and Laura hit. And those two hit uh, near Cameron. This is going right, uh, you know, through uh, New Orleans, I think. Uh, the east side of New Orleans probably get wind gusts 100 miles an hour with this. It is a Category 2. Uh, we've, been, uh, we've been you know, looking at this for several days. This is all part of this whole cycle that uh, has been part of this season. And uh, it's going to move very rapidly. I think it's over New Orleans about 7, 7.30 their time, and then into Biloxi and Gulfport with winds gusting to 100 miles an hour in there. Be up near Tuscaloosa by 2, 3 in the morning. And uh, it may still have hurricane force gusts there. Off the Virginia Capes, 
by tomorrow night, racing out to sea on Friday. So it's going to move very, very quickly through there. It's a three- to five-hour period where you got to really hunker down in there, and it's coming right now. So uh, you folks in there, you get ready. It comes in and goes out. It's coming in west of where Sally went into Pensacola, east of where Delta and, and uh, Laura went in over at Cameron, sort of splitting splitting the uprights between the two with this. And, uh, it, you know, it's, a, it's a pretty much a done deal. It is up to 105 miles an hour now. And so this is a, is a very serious storm. You know, when you put this against history, remember what happened right in front of the 2012 election? We had Sandy, you know, a week before. And so, uh, you know, the president, uh, president, I'm sure he's going to be he's ready for this. The guys are all ready. Uh, the folks that are uh, in charge of that will get in there real quick and make sure these people are back on the road to recovery as this thing cleans out. All right, Joe Bastardi, weatherbell.com, uh, for the latest details. My advice always, listen to authorities, be smart, be, take precautions. Uh, it's never worth losing your life, ever. Uh, thanks, Joe. 800-941-SEAN, you want to be a part of the program. You know, we could talk about all of the radicalism. You know one thing we people have not talked about enough is Kamala Harris. You have all these polls that show people don't think that Joe Biden has the strength, the stamina, the mental acuity, alertness to be president, right? So, okay, now you take a closer look at Kamala Harris, who's to the left of Bolshevik Bernie. You know, nobody, she's never really got pressed on, I believe, Biden accusers, or I was that little girl, in other words, a victim of Biden and and Robert the former Klansman Byrd's efforts to end integration of schools and busing. I wouldn't be a member of the U.S. Senate if these men he praised, meaning Joe Biden praised, had had their way. Never once. Nobody has ever questioned her that I've seen about promoting this Minnesota defense fund that put up bail for alleged violent criminals. By the way, ending bail, also part of the Biden-Kamala Harris agenda. What if she becomes president? What if he can't finish out his term? How, you know, how bad is it going to be? Is Joe going to need to nap every day at 930 or put a lid on being president at 930 in the morning? Talk about a, a, a 2 p.m. call, never mind a 2 a.m. call or a 4 a.m. call. You know, she's taken the most extreme positions, calling Jussie Smollett's hate crime uh, hoax a modern day lynching. She was one of the leaders of the smear against Kavanaugh, co-sponsored the new Green Deal in the Senate, co-sponsored Bernie Sanders' Medicare for All, supports eliminating and banning plastic straws and limits on red meat. <laughs> Great. That's what we need, a government meat department telling us, you've had too much red meat, Hannity, that's it. You're rationed, no more. Well, what's that going to do to uh, people that uh, raise cattle? And sell that meat to us that we want to consume. Thank you very much. I don't need a government agency telling me what I should and shouldn't be eating. Sanctuary states, sanctuary cities, eliminating ICE. Once comparing ICE to the KKK, supporting defunding the police. If uh, Congress doesn't act in 100 days, I'll use executive action to eliminate guns. Oh, executive act. We'll just bypass the legislative branch of government. Packing the U.S. Supreme Court, all of it. This is what this is what's at play here. 
Every single thing that matters is in play here. Joe Biden is not qualified at this point in his life to be president of the United States. I don't think he was ever qualified to do it. You know, it's what has this guy done in 47 years? Nothing. I mean, you've got his former boss has to campaign more for him because he's not capable of doing it. And everybody around him knows it, which is why they've, they've made a decision. They'd rather hide him than let him go out and campaign like a traditional candidate. How do you think this this new green deal and trillions of dollars and eliminating fossil fuels is going to how do you think this is going to end up? What do you think is going to happen? It should be fairly obvious. You know, socialism, I don't care what what manifestation it's taken on, what name it's been called throughout history. You know, Mao's revolution millions tens of millions dying of starvation the bolshevik revolution you know leading to you know all the false promises of everything's free leading to nothing but poverty one of the greatest wheat producers of all time former soviet union yeah they're they're importing wheat from us because once everything's free nobody wants to work there's no incentive to work how did it work for hungary bulgaria czechoslovakia Poland, all these other countries, not well. East Germany, not well. Had it work out in Cuba, not well. More recently, Venezuela, not well. You know, I don't I don't think people are aware that this they mean this. And the power, the the way they'll consolidate power and turn this into a one party state. It's gonna be state run, democratic everything. You know, if you add four Senate seats for the Democrats, how do Republicans get back control of the U.S. Senate? If they, you know, get the presidency and they implement the new Green Deal, trillions of dollars and wean us off of fossil fuels and then the added tax of having everybody retrofit their homes and buildings. How do you, how do you undo that? When Americans see their taxes go through the roof, what do you think businesses are going to do? Businesses are going to pack up and leave. Forget, you know, those jobs ain't coming back. They're not going to be coming back. When you give amnesty to 15 million people on the hopes that they're going to vote for you in future elections, something of great value. When you do that, well, what about, you know, America now? We're awaiting tomorrow's GDP third quarter growth numbers. Well, for those jobs that are now coming back online you add amnesty to it, you add the cost of, of Americans paying for health care for illegal immigrants, and we become the United Sanctuary States of America. How are we going to get Americans back to work when now they're competing with 15 million, you know, now legal residents of the U.S. and open borders remaining? Unbelievable. I don't know if, if Pete, do you, you do understand that this election is... They're promising to raise your taxes. They say they're going to do it. Believe them. Increase regulation. We're going to be regulated to death. Open borders, amnesty. Believe them when they say it. They mean it. You know, force taxpayers to pay for health care, education for illegal immigrants. We already have enough debt. Force government run health care on the country. What, Biden care replaces Obamacare? Are they going to tell us we're going to save money and keep our doctors and plans again? 
you know, now we're going to re re envision policing. Well, what does that mean? Re we're going to send social workers and psychiatrists. And like they, the shooting that took place in Philly, you're going to send a psychiatrist to talk to the guy with the knife that's, you know, waving it in front of everybody and threatening people with it. They won't restore law and order. They won't even condemn anarchy. We're going to end all energy independence. That could drag us into foreign conflicts once again over the free flow of oil at market prices. Because whether or not they believe this Green New Deal energy is going to be available, it's not. It's going to drive the price of energy through the roof. What are we going to have for foreign policy? What, we're going to go back to apologizing for America? We're going to weaken our, our military might yet once again? We're going to reestablish the rules of engagement and put handcuffs on our military so they can't even do their job. We're going to make America once again pay a disproportionate amount to all these world bodies uh, that finally they're now beginning to pay their fair share. We're going to implement what? The entire Bolshevik Bernie Biden socialist economic manifesto. Everything is going to be free and people are going to buy into everything being free. And what has government up to this point done so well? Because they're not doing well in blue states and blue cities, restoring law and order and maintaining safety and security. How are they doing on the education side of things? That's their second most important job. Blue states, blue, you know, these these liberal mayors, liberal governors. There's some of the worst run school systems in the entire world. Pay more per capita per student than any other industrialized nation. And guess what? Nothing. Come in 37, 38, 39, 40. That's, this is the choice election of all choice elections. And I'm just telling you, it's not going to end well if we, uh, if we don't get this out there. And we don't pull this together. Six days, you decide. You're the ultimate jury. Don't believe the media. They're trying to deflate conservative votes. They're trying to convince you this race is over. Look at the size of the president's rallies. There's great enthusiasm to reelect him. But he's got to win these important states. If you're in Florida, Georgia, North Carolina, if you're in Ohio, Iowa, Arizona, Nevada, Pennsylvania, Wisconsin, Michigan, Minnesota, New Hampshire, Maine Congressional District 2, Nebraska Congressional District 2. I'd say those are th th those those areas, states and areas will determine the future of this country. Why at 1038 on the night of May 2nd would Joe Biden take time out of his schedule to sit down with me in a dark bar at the Beverly Hilton, sort of positioned behind a column so people couldn't see us, to have a discussion about his family and my family and uh, business at a very high level uh, where Jim Biden sat and Hunter Biden participated in. I'm irrelevant in the story. Um, I, they weren't raising money from me. There was no other reason for me to be in that bar meeting Joe Biden than to discuss what I was doing with his family's name uh, in the Chinese CFC. The former vice president has said he had no knowledge whatsoever of his son's business dealings and was not involved in them at all. But this sounds like direct involvement in them. Yeah, that's a blatant lie. When he states that, that is a blatant lie. And uh, Hunter introduced me.
as uh, this is Tony Dad, uh, the individual I told you about that's helping us with the business that we're working on and the Chinese. In that email, there's a statement where they go through the equity. Jim Biden's referenced as you know, 10% doesn't say Biden, it says Jim. And then it has 10% for the big guy held by H. I 1,000% sit here and know that the big guy is referencing Joe Biden. When I saw Adam Schiff go on record talking about Russian disinformation after this email had been posted online by the New York Post, and remember that email was to me from James Gillier, right? It wasn't, you know, I wasn't blind carboned or CC'd on that. It was to me stating that I was gonna be the CEO of this enterprise. Um, I had, uh, I was at the end of my rope. And so I called Rob Walker and I told him that if that statement isn't retracted by or, uh, Congressman Schiff by midnight on Sunday, that I was going on record and I was disclosing all the facts to the American government, to the American citizen and the world. I was hoping the Bidens would do the right thing or Schiff would retract his statement, but I could not allow another minute, another hour or day for my family's name to be associated or, or muddied up around Russian disinformation. So even as I sit here today, I would ask the Biden family to come on record and stop using my name or associating it with Russian disinformation. It's absolutely disgusting. And I remember looking at Jim Biden and saying, how are you guys getting away with this? Like, aren't you concerned? And he sort of, he looked at me and he laughed a little bit and said, uh, plausible deniability. He said that out loud? Uh, yes, he said it directly to me. All right, here to break all of the Tony Bobolinsky, all of the Biden family corrupt business and uh, why the media mob, why big tech, you know, basically just tries to ignore it. I mean, they ignored Joe saying, you're not getting a billion dollars. You got six hours, fire a prosecutor investigating my son who has zero experience. Nothing. They didn't care at all. Three and a half million dollars. Uh, Russian oligarch, first lady of Moscow, not a peep out of the media. Big tech suppresses the story. You got a Kazakh oligarch wire transfer to hunter biden's business nothing no experience flies with daddy on air force two to uh, china 1.5 billion dollar deal in private equities that he has no experience in bill o'reilly you're a simple man uh i have a simple breakdown of that it's called corruption it's it's called buying access why why else would you uh give somebody with no experience no expertise uh, deals the size of what we're talking about here. Well, I've got two things to advance the story for the Hannity radio audience. The first thing is there are media reports that the Biden campaign through hired political action committee people told the corporate media chieftains not to cover this interview last night, Bob Alinsky, uh, or they would not have any further access to Joe Biden after he got elected. They have, they have no access to him now, Bill. <laughs> no, I know, but you know what the what the game is. I mean, everybody's trying for the first interview or whatever. So they basically said, look, if you guys cover it, you can forget about getting anything from us in a Biden administration. I believe that's true. All right, I believe that threat was delivered, and that's why... Nobody covered that interview. Even if you don't believe the scenario, 
you would cover the interview, and this is what the guy said, right? That's what journalists do. Here's what he said. If it was said about Donald Trump, what would the standard be? I mean, well, he would have already been convicted of uh, exactly and everything else. We all know that. The second thing is, I'm coming out of Mass on Saturday night uh, on Long Island, and a guy walks up to me in the parking lot and says, I have the hard drive that Hunter Biden left in the uh, Delaware pawn shop or computer shop, whatever it was. And then he introduces and he tells me who he is um, and that he's involved with analyzing the hard drive. So rather than, because you got to be careful with these things. So rather than dive in there with the guy, I check him out. And he does check. He's not a law enforcement guy. He's a partisan guy. Um, but he checks and he has it. So I asked him a few simple questions because I am a simple man. And I said, what, what really interests me about this story is if money did flow from Hunter Biden to his father, where is it? Where's the money? That's the key to this whole story. We all know Hunter Biden got money, tens of millions of dollars. He got it. Now, I haven't seen his tax returns. Nobody's entitled to see that. But if I'm the IRS, I'm looking at Hunter Biden's tax returns. But the allegation is that somehow Joe Biden got money through all of these transactions. Well, where is it? Because we've seen Joe Biden's tax returns since he left the White House four years ago, almost four years ago. He and his wife, Jill, have made $17 million dollars according to Forbes reporting. But it's accounted for by publishing, speaking, things like that. So the guy said to me, and I can't verify this, or I cannot check it out, but they use dummy corporations to flow the money in. And I said, well, if that's the case, that's an FBI matter. And he says, yeah, the FBI knows that and have been sitting on it. For 11 months, they've had this. They've had this since December of 2019, the the laptop. So that's this guy's story. But how weird is that? I mean, I'm walking out of church and all of a sudden. Listen, I've I've spoken to Bill. uh, Two people that say they have this laptop in their possession. And I've heard the same stories that you've heard about what's on this laptop. Also that the FBI has had it. Let me let me ask a broader question. So the polls are all over the place. You see them. I see them. We know how wrong they can be. You have pollsters that were right in 2016 that say Trump is going to eke this out. And then you have the pollster saying that it's over. Joe Biden's going to be elected the next president. By the way, (laughs) we'll probably end up in a constitutional crisis at some point if that happens, in my opinion. But the reality is is that I don't think most people understand how deep and profound and committed that this new Democratic Party is to radicalism. And if they if if they implement their stated policies, Bill, I think they will forever destroy the fabric of what has made this country great. Is that hyperbole is that overreaction this is not a typical election to me this is about capitalism freedom liberty versus the false promises of socialism 
coupled with the biggest power grab in 150 years, court packing, D.C., Puerto Rico, statehood, amnesty, no legislative filibuster, etc. I see it the way you see it. That is a threat to every American's freedom in a variety of areas. On my no-spin news every night, I run that down. Uh, here's the freedoms you're going to lose. He says he's not going to raise your taxes if you earn less than $400,000. Well, that's not true, because when the corporations have to pay more, you're going to have to pay more for whatever they are selling you. So it's going up. But on a broader level, it's a two-year play, because I think the horror is going to be very apparent quickly to individual Americans, people who are afraid of COVID. See, I see COVID as the driving force behind the vote next Tuesday. COVID, all right? There are many, many Americans, particularly women, I'm sorry if I have to break it down by gender, who are frightened, and they're saying to themselves, well, give somebody else a chance. So anyway, if Biden is elected, the horror will unfold fast, and then two years from now, the houses of Congress will go back to the Republicans. But in two years, you can do a hell of a lot of damage. Now, Rasmussen has um, Trump up and they were right last time. But more importantly, in the job approval category, the numbers today are Trump up by five, favorable. That's the highest he's been. So what's driving that? What's driving it? I think it's because people fear Joe Biden's going to lock the country down on the COVID. And that's overriding the feelings that people are terrified of catching the disease. So in Michigan, for example, all the polls say that Biden will win. Trump won last time, very small margin. But I think the lockdown fear in Michigan may give that state to Trump. And all he needs is Michigan and Pennsylvania, because I think he'll take Arizona. And with the Las Vegas lockdown, he's got a good shot in Nevada. He gets Michigan and Pennsylvania, he wins. Because I think he's going to get the southern states, Florida, Georgia, North Carolina. He's not going to get Virginia, but Texas. North Carolina worries me a little bit. Yeah, but the trend is away from the Democrats there. All right. That's true. So the Senator Tillis, he's now tied with this scandal. For the first uh, time in the election, yes. Right. This guy Cunningham, who had, a, I don't know, two or three affairs or whatever. Yeah, I did a big radio thing for WPT, the giant Charlotte station, last night. The trends are toward Donald Trump in North Carolina. And now there's only four more days, really, of, of campaigning. And But I see this lockdown threat as now helping Trump where before the COVID was hurting him. That's what's changed now, in my opinion. My humble opinion, my simple opinion. Look, I think it would be so dramatic and so profound, the power grab on this country. I don't see how we, I don't see how America is able to transcend it, even if what you predict two years later were to happen, Bill. But we'll get back with Bill O'Reilly. Bill O'Reilly's final 2020 election prediction. We continue all things Bill O'Reilly at BillOReilly.com. Latest uh, book, number one bestseller, Killing Crazy Horse, available Amazon.com, BillOReilly.com, Hannity.com. All right, Mr. O'Reilly, we got a little over two minutes here. I'm handing it over to you. How will this play out from Tuesday moving forward? Who will win this election? Biden will win the popular vote because of California. You take California out of the mix, Trump will win the popular vote. But because that state is so overwhelming, so Biden will win the popular vote. But if the election were held tomorrow, think Trump would win 
but it's going to be Florida, has to win Florida, has to win North Carolina, has to win Pennsylvania. Those three. Has but to I win think, Ohio? Has to win uh, Georgia? Yeah, but I'm, I'm saying Ohio is comfortably in, in his corner right now. It's a five. He's up five there. And there's no drive for Biden in Ohio. The, the, the Biden people aren't contesting the state. That's what shows me where the action is. So the Biden people are really not even contesting Ohio at this point. They're putting everything into Pennsylvania and Florida. They think they can win both of those. If Biden does win both of those, it's over. I think Arizona is uh, going to be a key state because they're so close. Um, that's why Trump's there today. Um, but Arizona and Nevada, they don't want the lockdowns. And that, as I said in the previous segment, was going to make the difference for Trump, in my opinion. But long weekend, and the New York Times and Washington Post are going to drop a story on Sunday. I don't know what it is. So <laughs> they've got can. something. <laughs> they've so got have, something. Right. They're going to drop an anti-Trump story on Sunday in their editions so they can dominate the news cycle on Monday and through Tuesday morning. Bill O'Reilly, yeah. I'm going to give you my prediction. All right. It's, it's 51-49. One or the other will win. It's, it's a pick em. This is, this is a, you, this you is, make me give you a prediction. That's correct. You weasel out one that's or because, That's because I'm the host and I can do whatever the hell I want. I think Trump barely, <laughs> barely ekes out a victory. But I'm telling you, it is that close, Bill O'Reilly. It is, uh, there's no outcome that will surprise me. And I hope people take it seriously and understand how prof- what is on the ballot is deep. It is profound. It is, uh, we will never be able to recover from the stated policies if they're ever implemented. BillOReilly.com, Mr. O'Reilly, simple man. By next Wednesday, we'll have a pretty good idea where this all lands out. We'll uh, see you then. Thank you, Sean. Pray for your country. 800-941-SEAN, toll-free uh, telephone number. Laura Trump out on the campaign trail. We'll talk to her. She's on a bus tour in North Carolina next. 25 till the top of the hour, suit up, chin down, six days, you're the ultimate jury, 800-941-SEAN, if you want to be a part of this extravaganza. The president, last night, rallying cry, this is the most important election in our lifetime. This is about the soul of the nation. Here's what he said. Biden's made a corrupt bargain, and the Democrats, in exchange for his party's nomination, He has handed control of his party over to a rage-filled socialists and Marxists and left-wing extremists. If we win, Wisconsin wins. If we win, America wins. It's very simple. Under my leadership, we achieved the most secure border in U.S. history, and we are now finishing the wall. It's almost complete. We're doing 10 miles a week. And Mexico is paying for the wall. You know, they like to say Joe Biden has vowed that he wants open borders, mass amnesty and free health care for illegal aliens. If Joe and Kamala are elected, it will trigger a tsunami of illegal immigration, the likes of which you've never seen from every corner of the world, overwhelming every community in America including your very beautiful community. You know, we all have a heart. We want to take care of people. But when you say we're going to give you free education, free health care, free everything, millions of people are going to come here, people that weren't even thinking about it. They're going to come. We can't do it. 
That will destroy your Social Security. That will destroy your Medicare. The radical left isn't trying to lead America. They're trying to burn it down. You just take a look at what's going on. Only your vote can save America. This is the most important election. I never thought I'd ever say it. I never thought I'd say it after what we went through four years ago. I said, that's going to be the most important. This is more important. The stated policies of the radical left from the new Green Deal, higher taxes, packing the courts, amnesty, the United Sanctuary States of America, uh, adding D.C., Puerto Rico statehood, all a power grab. Anyway, Laura Trump is uh, with us, senior advisor uh, of the Trump campaign on a bus tour from her home state of North Carolina. Uh, Polls have been very tight in North North Carolina. That is a must-win state for the president. Uh, Laura Trump joins us now. How are you? Hey, Sean. Great to be on with you. I'm doing awesome. We just left a Black Voices for Trump office in Greensboro, North Carolina. And let me tell you, everybody is excited. They're working overtime because they know what you just heard from the president there is so true. This is a vital election, a critical election, the most consequential election in the history of modern America. And everything is on the line right now. That's why we've seen so many people out voting early, waiting in long lines. Make sure you get out and get your vote in early and then take other people, get them out to vote. Make sure they vote Republican all the way down the ticket. If, if I will tell you, I've never felt this sense of urgency. And I've been now on radio for 33 years. I know I look so much younger, Laura, but, you know, that's how long <laughs> I've been do. doing it. 20, I'm shocked. 20, yeah, I'm shocked. 25 years on the Fox. Uh, on, on Fox. And I'm looking at this and I'm saying the whole country, everything is hanging in the balance, liberty and freedom. The stated policies, we've never had a a major uh, party ticket that is stating such radicalism. And they mean it. And with this, everything is on the table. And, yeah, we'll pack the courts. And, yeah, we're going to add Senate seats that benefit us and We'll have open borders and we'll have amnesty. And uh, I would assume that something of value would would become reliable votes for the Democrat. Ultimately, one party statism rule. And, uh, you know, how do you ever recover when you get rid of oil and gas and energy, which is a stated goal of the Green New Deal? I mean, you you don't recover. And look, whenever people tell you what they want to do and who they are, you should believe them. And Joe Biden told us that he wants to fundamentally transform America. That is very clear with all all the policies you just laid out. The reality is this would take America down a path to being a socialist country. And Sean, you don't have to look very far to see where socialism has failed each and every time. Cuba, Venezuela most recently had an incredibly robust economy, was was one of the the most profitable you know countries in the world, and now look at them in total ruin, people starving to death. It is absolutely detrimental to everything we know as Americans, everything this country was founded upon to try and implement socialism in this country. We would never recover, um, and so it, it's really frightening. And I know that people are always looking to the polls and saying, you know, well, the polls don't look good. The polls are designed, Sean to suppress the vote. They're trying to tell you that you shouldn't get out. Don't even worry about going to vote for Donald Trump in certain states. Every single American needs to get out and take this very, very seriously. It is about not just the next four years, but about the next several generations in this country. 
it hangs in the balance right now. In the next six days, if you have early voting in your state, go do it because I cannot imagine raising my two kids, my one-year-old daughter, Carolina, and my three-year-old son, Luke, in a country like Joe Biden and Kamala Harris have told us they want for America. It is the farthest thing from what we know to be true as Americans and, and what this country, again, was founded upon. We've all got to get out there and fight. And you, it's in the intro to, to your show. Freedom is only one generation away from extinction. We know Ronald Reagan famously said that. It has never been more relevant a phrase than right now because it absolutely is on the line. It's all on the line. Why do we keep reading that North Carolina is as close as it is? Well, it's look, it's a very important state. It is a must-win state for the president. You might remember that in 2016, Hillary Clinton said that North Carolina was her firewall. She was going to win this state no matter what. My father-in-law deployed me to my home state of North Carolina and said, get down there and, and talk to your people. Tell them how important this is. And I said, I know that they'll vote for you because they love this country in North Carolina. Um, look, the reality is the, the mainstream media has had 93% negative media coverage of this president. They have done everything possible to try and damage him, to try and get him out of office. They, we know the Russia collusion hoax. We know impeachment. Um, but people in North Carolina, I think, are very smart. This is my home state, and I know what the values of people here in this state are. And um, it's a very close race, but I think it's going to come through for, for President Trump. My mom waited in a line for an hour the other day to go vote um, in, in North Carolina. And I got to tell you, when I asked her, I said, well, mom, who did you vote for? This is what I want to hear from everybody, Sean. She said, if my ticket had been any redder, it would have caught on fire. That's what <laughs> we have happened in North Carolina. Uh, I would imagine that your mom was going to vote for uh, your, your, your father-in-law. There you go, right? <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, Absolutely. it's amazing the energy that the president has. The entire family is out there. I mean, you got Eric is everywhere. You're everywhere. Don and, and KG are everywhere. Uh, Melania is now out on the stump. The president's doing three, four stops a day. These rallies, these, this, I've never seen anything like it. It's a political movement unlike any other. You know, Joe Biden is so weak and so frail. He doesn't know what state he's in a lot of days, what office he's running for, what day of the week it is. And, you know, the only thing you hear out of this guy is COVID, COVID, COVID. And I'm like, has anybody told him we're in the final stage human testing trials for a vaccine? Has anyone informed him of the advancement of therapeutics? Because it seems like he's just out of it. Well, he's 100 percent out of it. You're right. I mean, the last I heard he was running for the Senate. So maybe we uh, maybe we're all free and clear. I don't know. Maybe he decided he's not going to run for president anymore. Uh, the reality is COVID is the only thing the Democrats are actually running on. They're, they're politicizing a global pandemic because they think it's advantageous for them. Shame on them. I think it is absolutely despicable. America needs to open back up. Americans want to get back to work. They want their kids back in school. All of that can happen. All of it can happen safely. But you have Democrat governors who are refusing to open their states because they think it's going to benefit Joe Biden. It's absolutely outrageous. But what you said is right. Listen, our whole family is out on the campaign trail. We have been fighting nonstop for the past several months. And I honestly, I don't even know what state my husband is in. He texted me taking off uh, from Dallas. He had a layover there. I don't even know what state he's going to. That's how crazy our schedules are. But you see the difference on the other side. You see that Joe Biden needed to take several days off, five days off, before his dismal debate performance to rest up 
Look, it's 24-7 job to be president of the United States. And Donald Trump was out there campaigning all the way up until the debate. Obviously, he was prepared because he completely destroyed Joe Biden in that debate, got him to admit what we all knew, that he wanted to completely destroy the, the energy industry in the United States of America. Um, but, but really, it's a concerning thing when you look at how feeble and frail Joe Biden is. He said he can't even run for more than one term in office because he knows he doesn't have it in him. I think it's very clear he doesn't even have one term in office in him. This guy is absolutely frightening to become president of the United States. Yeah, listen, I actually think the polls are right. Most people think that he's not even going to be able to finish out his first term. We'll be facing one crisis after another. And then you got Kamala Harris, who's even to the left of Bolshevik Bernie. Uh, you know, you just look at the one issue is energy. I mean, for the first time in 75 years, I happen to think it's your father-in-law's one of his greatest accomplishments uh, that we've become energy independent for the first time in 75 years and the world's number one producer of energy. Uh, are we good? Do, do we need to be good stewards of the environment? Of course, we all want clean air and clean water. The good news is uh, our air has gotten cleaner because of advancing technology. Uh, they both said they're going to end fracking. Now, for political expediency, they changed their mind again. What is the closing argument, maybe, for those people that are still on the fence, and what are you saying to them? Look, you have a choice on November 3rd of voting for prosperity, voting for the American dream, voting to keep America the greatest country in the world. Um, having two kids, I can tell you, I want my kids to grow up in the same America, Sean, that I got to grow up in. I knew how lucky I was to be an American when I was growing up. I remember being so proud to stand with my hand over my heart and say the Pledge of Allegiance at school, uh, and keep God in the Pledge of Allegiance, by the way. Side note that the Democrats have tried to take out. That's what we're fighting for. We're fighting so that our kids have the great America that we have always loved and cherished and has been able to provide the American dream to millions and millions of people. On the other side, you really do have an option with Joe Biden and Kamala Harris that would take us down what Joe Biden has already described as a very dark, depressing America. I mean, you think about communist countries, that is exactly what they are. They're dark and depressing. Would take us down a path to socialism. America would never recover. And that's why this is so, so important and so vital that everybody understands you've got to get out and you have to vote. Vote for President Trump at the top. Vote Republican all the way down. We need to take back the House this election. Keep the Senate. Keep the White House. Nancy Pelosi has a hair appointment in San Francisco. I think we need to send her back home. How long are you going to be on the bus tour, uh, Women for Trump in North Carolina now? So the next two days we're on the bus tour, uh, and then I am uh, back in, in my home state again on Sunday, and then I think I'm in Florida on Monday. Uh, we're all campaigning all the way up to the very end here. All right, Laura Trump, uh, thanks for taking time. All the best to all the people on the bus. Send my regards. Uh, we will know six days and Americans will become the ultimate jury. We will decide the fate, the future of this great country for our kids and grandkids. It literally is America and the world on the brink here. All right, when we come back, uh, we got a lot of ground to cover. We're going to look at all of these polls, the great disparity in polls. Uh, the architect, Carl Rove, is going to join us. Where does he think this is all headed on Tuesday? Uh, what states he might be concerned about, what states he thinks are leaning towards the president, what the closing arguments need to be, and how important your role is in all of this. 
Uh, then we'll get to your phone calls. We'll go back to North Carolina. North Carolina is a state that seems very close, and that is a must-win state for Donald Trump. Uh, we'll check in with the attorney general candidate down there, Jim O'Neill, uh, and much, much more. 800-941-SEAN. You want to be a part of the program? We have an awesome Hannity. Set your DVR, 9 Eastern tonight, Fox News. Quick break. Right back. News Roundup, Information Overload Hour is next. Hi, News Roundup and Information Overload Hour, 800-941-SEAN. You want to be a part of the program, we'll get to your calls in the next half hour. As we keep pointing out, you are the ultimate jury six days away, although about 70 million people have already voted, early voting, absentee, etc. Here for his breakdown, knows it as well as anybody in the country, the architect Carl Rove. Carl Rove, six days out, how do you assess this race, sir? Well, it's uh, you mentioned where it's coming down to. Uh, there are two questions. Can Trump hold on to everything that he won last time outside of the Great Lakes states? And can he win at least one uh, of the Great Lakes states? That would put him over 270, uh, unless it's just Wisconsin. If it's Wisconsin and he loses Michigan and Pennsylvania, then he's got to hold on to Nebraska, too, and Maine, too. If he loses one of them, he's tied in the Electoral College. If he loses both of them uh, and only wins Wisconsin uh, out of the big three blue wall states, then he's one short of, of being a tie and two short of being uh, to 270 in the, of the Electoral College. All right. So tell me where you think the state of the race is. You're, look, you're looking at the numbers I'm looking at. I mean, the disparity in the polling is very reminiscent of what we saw in 2016. You still have, for example, had Robert Cahaley, Matt Towery on last night. They see it very differently than what the Nate Silvers of the world or uh, even Real Clear Politics are telling us with a lot of their polls or this idiotic outlier poll of the Biden up 17 in Wisconsin. We all know that's not true, especially Trafalgar had Biden up by one yesterday. So I, I, you know, I, I don't know how to read it. What are your thoughts? What do you see anecdotally? Well, three things. Poland is broken. Let's let's not kid ourselves. The golden age of everybody having a landline and willing to answer the phone and give responses to the anonymous interviewer on the other side. That era is gone. Uh, second of all, I've, I'm with you. I've never seen so many different poll results from the same state from different polls that are run r- roughly at the same time. It's just bizarre that they could be as far up. You know, the, you mentioned the 17-point gap in, in Wisconsin uh, and, the, and the one that shows a one-point gap. Well, I know of a private poll with a sample of 5,000 in Wisconsin that has it being a two-point gap from, from late last week through, the, through early, the, uh, early this week. Um, or, or excuse me, or this past week. What, what about this so, hidden or shy Trump voter? Is that a real phenomenon? Well, well uh, that that would be number four. Let me give you number three. I, it, it is clear the polls are tightening. You know, we you go back to the beginning of the month. Where was Trump in? Fill in the blank. Arizona. You know, Pennsylvania. Where where was he? And where is he today? In the in the real clear politics average. And yeah, look, there is something to the shy Trump voter theory. Now, do, do we know how much that is, the shy uh, Trump voter phenomenon is? We we really don't. But, but it's probably bigger than it was last time around. And it, but is it sufficient? If he goes into election day a point or two behind, is that shy Trump voter enough to make it up? In addition, there's also the value of the ground game. It's clear that the Trump campaign has spent a lot of time and money and energy building a gigantic get-out-the-vote operation. Now, if you're down by five or six 
that's not going to solve the problem for you. But if you go into election day and you're a point or two behind, that could make the difference between winning and losing is having a great ground game. We know we know Biden does it. I mean, for here in Texas, the Republicans have been knocking on doors, you know, doing it the right way, masks on, identification on showing the Republicans, sending off times a text message to the to people saying we're going to be in your neighborhood tomorrow. Hope you'll accept a visit. Uh, let us know if you're you're uncomfortable. All that stuff's been going on for months and months and months, and the Democrats just announced this month that they were going to go start knocking on doors. Well, that kind of stuff does not get to scale and get to volume overnight. It takes time to do it, which is why the Republicans have been doing it for six months. We are seeing a phenomenon, and as much as the people that leave California move to Texas, unfortunately too many of them are bringing with them their the liberal policies from the state they came from. Uh, so there, there has been that political demographic well, shift. Yeah. Can I tell you a dirty little secret? Yeah. We have, we've had a, a, a behind-the-scenes, we haven't been out there beating our chest about it, but a voter registration effort in Texas that has registered over 200,000 new Republicans. And, and uh, the data scientists tell us that for the first time in at least six years, Republicans since last July, since July a year ago, July 2019, have out-registered Democrats in the state of Texas. So, it, it, we, it, it's, yeah, there are a lot of people coming here from California and elsewhere, but they're coming here for economic prosperity, and a lot of them are Republicans if we just make certain we get them on the rolls. And, 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 All right, and, so uh, let's go through the firewall of Donald Trump. Florida, Ohio, Georgia, right. North Carolina, Iowa, uh, Arizona. Let's just... Let's right. let's say that is, these are must win states to me for the president. Right. Uh, uh, was Georgia in that list? Georgia is on the list. Now, I, yeah. I know Matt Towery. He knows Georgia better than any other state. Closer than we'd like. Probably Trump, he thinks, by three or four. Uh, I'm less worried about that. I'm more worried about North Carolina, more worried about Arizona. Uh, I'd share that list, too. Uh, one interesting thing, you know, as, as you, you know from your time in Georgia, it's one of the two states that keeps track of the vote by race. And one of the interesting things is if you look at the uh, percentage of, of uh, blacks in the early voting phase, they started out like 32. Uh, the longer it went on, the lower it got. And it, and it got down to 20, uh, 28%, excuse me, 29%, I think, going into the weekend. And the thought was it was going to bump back up because that's the weekend that the churches can take the vans and take people to the polls and so forth. Well, as of uh, Monday morning, it was down to 28. And, and for a Democrat to win statewide, they've got to have 30, probably 31 to 32 percent black turnout in the early vote. And it's down now to 28 and continues to drop. One of the polls that's consistent is the president doing dramatically better. And these are not outliers in almost every poll with African-Americans and Hispanics. Do you see that translating into real votes? Yeah, oh, absolutely. In fact, those are very valuable votes because <clears throat> excuse me, the, uh, they're worth two. You're taking one out of the Democratic column and putting it in the Republican column. So, yeah, if he's going from you know the 8 or 9% that he received among blacks in uh, 2016 to 13 or 14%, that's a huge impact. And if he's going from 29 to 33 or 34, 35 among Latinos, that's a huge impact. So, yeah, I, I, I think those are both present and real. Well, I think it is, too. All right. So assuming if you share, though, with me that the, the red wall states that Donald Trump must win, Arizona, North Carolina, how do you see early voting? How do you see the breakdown now? How concerned are you about either of those two states? 
Yeah, well, I, I agree with you about that state, those two states, and Iowa. He's got to win all of those. My, here's the problem. We can't look at the early vote and make a lot of this, you know, judgments about it because we have no baseline. It's not like Texas where, you know, traditionally 50% of the vote has come in early by early, during the early voting period. And so, you know, it's, it's, we can make a little bit of a judgment about that. But if you really want to understand what's going on in the early vote, you have to get in and take a look at, you have to literally be able to have micro-targeted every single voter so that they're either between primary participation or partisan registration and micro-targeting for the people who are declined to state or independents or have never voted in the primary. You have to look at the entirety of that turnout, but by individual by individual, and add it up in order to figure out who's doing better and who's doing worse in this election. But you don't have a comparison that you can go back to to say, well, we're doing better and we're doing worse than we were doing before. Because we we have so many more early voters and so many more mail-in ballot, one one technique is to take a look at uh, the people who voted in say four out of the last four party primaries, or three out of four, or two out of out of four, or one out of four, and just see if and see if there's one party that looks like it's got a greater concentration of the people who voted in say three out of four or four out of four primaries, and one that doesn't. Uh, because if you if you've got people if your if your early vote is dominated by people who voted in the last three out of four or four out of four, and the other party has uh, a turnout that is skewed more towards the one out of four or two out of four, the latter is getting votes out that it normally wouldn't otherwise get out. The the the, the former is simply cannibalizing its election day turnout. And that means you think that they'll stay Trump? Yeah, I do. I, you know, I, mm-hmm. I, I, it's a battle, but particularly Arizona and North Carolina are a battle. Right. But but think about this. We what is the what has been the most prominent uh, battleground state for for most of the you know the last forty years? Ohio, and that's the one that we're really not spending a lot of time talking about, and and we're not seeing a lot of travel by Biden. And I think it's because they've wisely made a decision that that state is somewhat redder than it has traditionally been, and hence more likely to end up in Trump's column. So why not devote your energy and your effort to other places where you think you might have a better shot? Well, I think the fact that Obama and Biden are going to Michigan, uh, they wouldn't be going if they thought it was in the bag. Uh, I think that's revealing. Uh, Pennsylvania, even the New York Times now seems worried that Pennsylvania polling showing Biden ahead might actually be wrong. Do you make anything anecdotally about the, the movement that is Donald Trump, the size of the crowds, the rallies he's having uh, the lack of enthusiasm towards Joe Biden. Um, I know there's a, a Trump hate factor in all of this, but there's also a Trump support factor that's fairly historic. Yeah. yeah one of the interesting things, and we'll, we'll get a sense of this, uh, of the, the, the relative impact of this, is that most, an overwhelming majority of the Trump voters say that they're coming out to vote because they're for Trump. And a significant majority of Democrats are saying that they're coming out to vote against Trump. So you're right that 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 you can always be you know you, you can uh, an unenthusiastic vote for for Biden it counts as good as an enthusiastic vote for Biden, but uh, you got to think that that's a, a slight advantage for the president in, uh, as he comes down the final stretch. So if you look into your crystal ball and where we are now, it's six days till election day. Obviously, a lot can happen between now and then. Where do you think this is going to end up? Well. I think you put your finger on it. Six days may not seem like a lot, but what happened in the six days of twenty four of twenty sixteen? A lot, because mm-hmm. the final polling showed uh, President Trump, then candidate Trump, 
further behind. I think it really boils down to this. Has the president done enough to make this a contrast election as opposed to a referendum? If it's a referendum on his performance, it's tougher for him than if he's made it a contrast. Now, Biden's helped as we've come down the, kind of down the pike. I mean, this whole kerfuffle over, you know, is he going to try and get rid of the oil industry or not? I mean, they know that that was a problem. That's why they went out immediately and tried to say, well, he really didn't mean that he was going to eliminate it. I really, he was really, you know, he'll be for it. I mean, that's part of the reason that, that I think they're sending Kamala Harris to Texas is to sort of say, we really didn't mean that we're going to ruin the Houston economy by ending drilling in the Gulf of Mexico. And we really didn't say that we're going to ruin the Permian Basin and, and by all the way, this. Have you noticed that the president is playing this on the jumbotron at every event now? Well, I think it's great. I hope he's, I hope in the next six days, he puts a couple of other things up there as uh, on the screen. I mean, you know, the whole idea of uh, Biden and his tax increases is a problem for him. Uh, Biden and all the uh, spending, special interest spending, uh, Biden and all the, you know, union stuff, the, you know, get rid of right to work laws and et cetera. Uh, he's got a lot of vulnerabilities. And inside the campaign, I bet they got a lot of good data that lead them to believe which are the stronger points to make. But every single day they have to make this a contrast election. And I thought it was pretty smart for them to put up that screen and put that, that footage up there of Biden saying, I'm, I'm going to get rid of the oil industry and fracking, because the argument was, who are you going to believe, Biden, when you when, when, when were all paying attention to him, or are you going to believe your lion ears and lion eyes by listening to what he said earlier in the year when he didn't think you were paying attention to him? What, do you, what does your gut tell you, Carl? This seems different to me. I don't have the feel that I would like. And it's a lot like 2016. I knew Trump could win. And I knew there was enthusiasm for him, but I knew it would be hard. It's always hard for a Republican, and I feel the same way this time. Yeah, look, I'm, I'm with you. I, you know, uh, I can see the path there, and I can also see the overwhelming money advantage the Democrats have, not just simply from small-dollar donors, but from the gigantic super PAC efforts underwritten by wealthy you know, uh, billionaires and uh, Silicon Valley titans and trial lawyers. Um, and also the media. I, I don't think I've ever seen a media as hostile <clears throat> to the Republican candidate as this media is. And they make no bones about it. I mean, we, we occasionally get a nice, you know, Nora O'Donnell question of Kamala Harris. But most of the time, this is like, you know, uh, softballs. As I said the other day, it reminded me of my coach when I was, you know, in third grade softball. You know, it's like just toss it over the plate and give you a chance to knock it out. And that's the way they are with the Could you imagine a Republican being able to get away with not talking to the national press like this guy has gotten away with for months and months and months? It's unbelievable. All right, Carl Rove, the architect. Thank you, Carl. Want to make a final prediction? Who wins? Uh, I'm going to say the American democracy wins because whatever the outcome is, we're, we're... We'll, we'll accept, uh, you know, I, I shouldn't say. No, if, if Biden and Harris are elected, I mean, America, as we know, it is uh, going to be shattered if they implement their stated agenda. Good luck. Yeah, well, we, yeah, well, I'd also see this, though. If Trump gets reelected, there are going to be lots of friends, liberal friends of ours, whose heads are going to explode. It's unbelievable. Yeah. Well, it'll be so sad to watch that, but it'll be okay. <laughs> I'll be glad to comfort all right. them. Uh, all right, Carl Rove. All right, glad you're with us. 25 till the top of the hour. We'll get to your calls in a minute. 800-941-SEAN. You want to be a part of this extravaganza. Six days, you are the ultimate jury. Uh, paying a lot of attention because the polls have been much tighter than we thought in the great state of North Carolina, the Tar Heel State. Uh, you know, there's never been in 
the history of North Carolina, a Republican attorney general. A very tight race going on there, but one that is winnable. Jim O'Neill is the Republican nominee. He was with the president on the stump down in North Carolina, and here's what he said. I'm Jim O'Neill. I have been prosecuting cases for going on 25 years. I'm ready to become the top law enforcement officer in this state. I need your help and I need your support. In Winston-Salem, Wallet Hub rated us the safest city in all of North Carolina. Imagine, imagine what I can do for the rest of the state. But we gotta support our president. We gotta support our president. Jim O'Neill for Attorney General, that's right. All right, Jim O'Neill joins us now. Uh, I couldn't believe when I found out recently that there'd never been a Republican AG in North Carolina. Couldn't believe it. How are you, sir? Sean, thank you so much for having me on. And, and yes, in, in North Carolina's history, we have never elected a Republican attorney general. Uh, we've, had, we've got two U.S. senators right now. We've had governors. We've had everything up and down the ballot. But Republicans have never elected uh, been elected to the attorney general seat. That's correct. Now, Robert Cahaley, who is with uh, Tafalgar and uh, who accurately uh, picked the president winning in 2016, and he was on TV last night uh, along with Matt Towery, and we're going over the polls, and he'll be on the show tomorrow. Uh, he now has the president up by three in North Carolina. Why has North Carolina become a more more of a, a, a purple state, swing state than in pa- in the past? Well, I think what we offer down here in North Carolina is a great lifestyle. And much like you see, Sean, in places like, like Texas, where you've got uh, people leaving California in droves and they're ending up in, in a very red state in Texas, they, they tend to bring their liberal ideologies with them. They leave their failed cities behind in California. And I think North Carolina, unfortunately, is experiencing the same sort of phenomenon here where we have people coming down from up north that are, are leaving failed Democratic-run cities, and they, they think that they're, they're going to come to North Carolina and bring the same mindset uh, and, and help these cities fail down here. Well, I mean, when it, it, one of the things especially is, and we see this with these you know groups and big money liberal groups being funded to take to win uh, down-ballot races, important races like your race for attorney general. Is there being a lot of money, outside money from North Carolina being thrown at you, uh, supporting your opponent? Oh, 100%. You know, my opponent is, is, a, is a darling of the George Soros groups, and he accepts money from them and, and his family and all of the different groups that George Soros supports. So you, you, we see a huge influx of, of outside money in North Carolina races. Why would there be strategically all this money spent uh, by these super libs and and billionaire libs uh, to stop uh, to win attorney general races? Because they put so much money and effort, emphasis and focus on it. Why do you think that is? Well, that's a great question. And and the answer is simple. The attorney generals that wherever they're elected in whichever state they, they represent, this, this current attorney general, by way of an example, has sued uh, the president uh, more than two dozen times. He has sued him over things like funding of the border wall. Now, if you know anything about your geography, North Carolina is not even a border state. 
yet, yet he brings suit over and over again against this president. And it's all designed so that the president cannot do what he's been elected to do, because he has to continue to fight these, these frivolous lawsuits that are brought uh, on behalf of, of different states by the attorney generals. And, and that's exactly what you're seeing in North Carolina. All right, we're going to follow this race closely, uh, and this is for every race. That includes Tillis. That is a very important Senate seat for Republicans if they want to maintain the majority. Uh, the president, North Carolina, Tillis, and Jim O'Neill for the attorney general spot. Uh, we'll watch that race very closely. This uh, could be the first time we have an elected Republican AG in the great state of North Carolina. We're going to be paying very close attention, Jim O'Neill. And, and Sean, thank you for having me on. And, and to, your, to your listeners out there, you said it exactly right. We not only need to get an attorney general that can stop the frivolous lawsuits coming from the radical left and this particular very liberal attorney general, we have to watch out for Tom Tillis. Uh, North Carolinians need to get out and vote and support him. Uh, we have to be sure that we're protecting our judges, too. We have great conservative judges on the ballot. Uh, and and if, if people are interested in helping me get through these last week, uh, they can go to jimoneillnc.com. Uh, if you're able to help us with, with some support, we would greatly appreciate it because we're pushing back on the Soros money and the California money that's, that's pouring in right now. All right, Jim O'Neill, running for Attorney General, North Carolina. Thank you, sir. Good luck in the next uh, six days. It's live free or die. The America, the world is on the brink. This is the tipping point election of all tipping point elections. Uh, we'll stay in North Carolina. Doug is checking in with us. Doug, hi. How are you? Glad you called, sir. I'm doing wonderful, Sean. I'm just uh, my wife and I are two uh, deplorables from Oak Island. And, and you're two, uh, uh, you know, you're two deplorable chumps, according to Joe Biden. You're a chump. And, a, and probably yes, a smelly sir. Walmart shopper like me. Yes, sir. Um, but I just, I'm kind of actually excited. Uh, my wife and I stood in line for about 45 minutes. We voted early. And uh, just the enthusiasm of all the people we're sitting with and, and standing in line with, there was even college kids with NC State jackets on, and they were all pro-Trump. All, I didn't hear anything for Biden at all. It was all pro-Trump, and I was uh, very excited about that. And my partner is a Mexican-American and came over when he was young, and uh, he um, he did not like Trump for about the first two, three years, and he's seen what the turnaround is, and he is so Trump right now, and he's got a lot. I've seen a lot of the Latino in North Carolina actually turning toward Trump right now, and I'm, I'm pretty excited about it, and I think he's going to pull it off. Well, I'll tell you, North Carolina is critical for Trump's uh, path to victory. It's critical. It's just like Georgia, just like Florida, just like Ohio. Must-win states, just like Iowa. I keep going through, just like Arizona. I'm, I'm mentioning your states that matter the most. That is the path. That's the firewall that the president needs. And then he has to, you know, pick off the Michigan, Pennsylvania, Wisconsin uh, that will put him over the top or a combination thereof or Nevada combination thereof. So, uh, all right. Appreciate the call, Doug. Uh, I'll let you handle North Carolina for us. Let's go to Michigan. Sean is next. Sean, hi. How are you? Glad you called. Hey, Sean. This is Sean, uh, first-time caller of you and the great one, Mark Levin. And, um, hey, first thank time me. Attendee. God bless us. Go ahead. <laughs> first-time rally at the Trump uh, – first-time Trump rally attendee myself, man. Let me tell you what. Um, Were you in Lansing last night? Lansing, Michigan, uh, yesterday morning, 8 a.m. Wow. Uh, 15,000 people in the great Michigan fall weather of rain, wind, sleet, about 38 degrees, call it. 
And oh, was, I heard it was freezing. First. And then I heard, by the yeah. way, after the rally, you know, apparently something happened with the roads and the buses weren't able to get people out of there fast enough. And you're all standing out in the freezing cold. You know, ours actually got done. We wrapped up around five o'clock. Um, I, I think I think that might have been our friends in Omaha, Nebraska. But uh, oh, you know what? I think it was know, Omaha. He, You're right. I stand you corrected. Know, that, you know, it's okay. No, I don't worry about it. I'm no, like but, Joe Biden, not remembering what state, what rally, <laughs> what day of the week it is, what what, yeah, what, what well, position you know, I'm running like, for. Uh, unlike Joe Biden, we don't have uh, him as a specter. If you were president, I think we'd let that pass. Yeah. But, uh, anyway, anyway, Sean, so this is my first time rally here, and I, I, just, just the idea that all these people were there, um, you know, it felt like a tailgate. People were excited despite the weather. People were excited. They were dancing to the music that the Trump campaign was blasting through for, like, you know, the, the five hours or whatever it was. And nobody was complaining. You know, I mean, Michigan, you know, our fall weather here is not fun. You know, and, and it's even worse when the rain and the wind start coming. And the people weren't caring. They were just excited to be there. And I think, to me, that shows a dedication that the polls just won't pick up. You've got 15,000 people, all different people there. And, by the way, a friend of mine, she's a, she's a 25-year-old girl. I'm a little bit older than that. But she was looking around, and she was saying, hey, you know what? There's a lot of people here that I would think that would be my friends who I wouldn't think would be voting conservative. They'd be more Democrat liberals. All sorts of different people were there. I've never seen anything like it in my life. Um, the president I mean, came, it's, it's a phenomenon. We've never seen this kind of enthusiasm. And then you kind of compare it to Joe Biden in Georgia yesterday. It was pathetic. Um, but it's an unbelievable phenomenon, and people in the freezing rain you know, sleet, cold, they're just, you know, they're out there. It's a moment. It's a movement. They want to be a part of the movement. They want the movement to continue. And really, the president and all of us that support the president, we're going through, you know, we've got a lot of institutional forces that are out to destroy this man, including the deep state, including the entire Democratic Party establishment, including the media mob, including big tech, including... Republican establishment rhinos. I mean, everything they could possibly throw at this guy, they're throwing at this guy. And then you see the people and they're like, they're not having it. And I think people instinctively understand what what's been going on here and that the president's interests really are for, for the betterment of the, of the country and the people of this country. And what he's fighting against is a swamp that is just full of these, you know, these black tar swamp creatures uh, that absolutely hate him because of just who he is. Well, you know, Sean, full disclosure, I was on the uh, Ted Cruz campaign in 2016. And so, you know, for me, the last four years have been absolute justification of casting that yes vote, despite everything that happened in the primary, which we don't need to go into. I think there's a lot of people that are come on, you know, and say, you know what? This guy has made his, you know, promises kept, promises made. Um, said that backwards, but you know, they, their their vote has been justified. They've been vindicated. We just saw Amy Coney. Listen, do you know how much uh, heat I took? Uh, not that we want to go back to down memory no, lane. No. Yeah, I mm-hmm. was out there telling my conservative friends, putting all my credibility on the line, saying he's going to govern mm-hmm. conservatively. He means it, and I've known him mm-hmm. for twenty five years. And I was getting the crap beat out of me regularly by prominent, you know, quote, conservatives that thought I was full of it. 
Well, you and the great one. I mean, geez, I mean, he was, he was, well, more, it took um, some convincing of him too yeah. for a while. <laughs> <laughs> Trust me. We had a few behind the scenes conversations about it. No, uh, but, but, but look, but here we are. And by the way, why isn't peace and the least being promoted all over the headlines? I mean, the guy has done everything we would have hoped, you know, a Ted Cruz or anybody else would have done and more. And here we are, we're what four, six days away from election. Uh, Michigan, I think is going to come out. I think we're going to shock the world again. And by the way, uh, John James for U.S. Senate. He's doing a great. Oh, campaign. my God. He's he an amazing the, he candidate. Fired up. I'd yeah, love so to see I him think... in the U.S. Senate. Amazing guy. Great candidate. He can win that race for sure. No doubt about it. Yep. All yep. right. Thanks well, very much, Sean. We need Sean. Michigan. If we get Michigan in the president's firewall holds his red wall, he's the president. He'll win. So Michigan, Pennsylvania, Wisconsin, maybe Minnesota. I don't know. Nevada would help if we pulled that in the mix. Uh, New Hampshire, if somehow that could get in the mix, it would all be helpful. Every state matters. Every vote matters. And you need to feel as though your vote is the deciding vote for the future of this great republic. Because if these stated policies, I keep going back to this, if they're ever implemented, it will take America that we know and love and destroy the foundational strengths of it, you know, coupled with married to the biggest power grab ever in 150 years. Pretty scary scenario. All right, that's going to wrap things up for today. Hannity tonight, set your DVR, 9 Eastern, Fox News, the president out on the road, our very own Lawrence Jones with the president in Arizona, Donald Trump Jr. We'll hear from Newt Gingrich, Nikki Haley, John James, who can win that Senate seat in Michigan, Dan Bongino, Leo out on the road, and you'll meet the Blaze reporter beaten up while filming looting last night in Philly. 9 Eastern, set your DVR, Hannity, Fox News. See you then, back here tomorrow. 